Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Women Empowering Women, Be Heard. And today, I am so excited to have Martha Creek here. Martha, I've been um, able to hear her speak. I've been to a couple of her workshops, so you need the Palm Beaches. And what I like about Martha is her ability to deliver the information in a profoundly simple way, sometimes really direct, maybe more direct than you'd like to hear, but that's what I need sometimes. And also, Martha, I am reading your book, Martha's Pearls, which I'm finding very uh, enjoyable. Would you like to tell our audience anything about you that I missed? Oh, hi, everybody. I, I, I'm so delighted to be here. I am inspired by your messaging, empowering women. And I'm absolutely receiving that I come across as very direct at times. And the truth is, it's because of how much I value that. I love it when people are clear and direct and honest with me. So it causes me to lead from that way. The Martha's Pearls books is available out there on Amazon. It's already reached up to seven or eight countries the last time I looked. And it is doing exactly, Marie, what you're about, which is to get empowered teachings to the whole of the world. Empowered teachings to the whole of the world. So that's my mission, which is to serve those who serve. So I'm here today in this conversation with you, this podcast with you to serve those who serve. So whoever's listening to this, I bow to you and I applaud you because I know darn good and well, if you're listening to this, you're out there serving the world in a grand way. That's right. So open your ears and Martha, um, you make a statement, uh, go within or go without. Could you detail that a little bit more? Well, part of what it is, I think it is that'll take a whole that'll take the whole time that we have, honey. But this tendency to look outward that we make our it uh, whatever is our power, our safety, and our value is through our relationships, is through our profession, is through a career, is through the size of the house we live in, is through um, uh, what name is on our college degrees or whatever. And it's like, eventually in our life, we see that that's not where it actually is, that we got all those things. They were very, very sweet. They were meaningful. They were supportive. They were essential in our soul path and our journey. And eventually, if we don't go within Mm -hmm. ourselves and find the meaning, our safety, our power, our value, our purpose and be in touch with our own calling, then none of the extraneous, none of the external is ever going to be a solid ground for us. That's true. And particularly women. Yeah. Gosh, yes. I went through 40 years of struggle. Um, A simple thing, wanting to be an English teacher that all my friends around me were going to college and my parents did not believe in that. They thought women were just supposed to help the family or get married and that was it so I struggled ex-husbands etc and I didn't get my college degree until I was like 40 years old but I got it because when you want something you're gonna you know if you have the uh grit you know you'll go absolutely that's a great example of it Marie so it's like following your own goals for your life that's what go within means to me 
So instead of following the goals that somebody else has for my life, then I go in and follow the goals that I have for my own life. Something that's honest, uh, authentic uh, action for me, not necessarily what a culture or socialized um, standards or traditions would call, or even our families that we're not, we're, we're from that family of that family, but we have different convictions. If we look within ourselves, we have different convictions than our families had about all matters of things, including education and mm -hmm. career and who we're going to be as people. So right. that's a great example of go within, go within or go without. And if you hadn't have done that, You'd have likely spent your whole life pining away, regretting that, wishing you had of, and oh, yeah. and yeah. um and some kind of distress over it. So mm -hmm. go within and find out what's yeah. true for us, or go without. That means li living a life that's really in a shell, or a built a house built on sand. Right, and you know, <clears throat> I, to go within was a journey for me, and that's why I wrote my first book. Um, raised by wolves, trapped by demons, because my parents taught me no coping skills. They no, didn't have any themselves. You know, they couldn't teach what they didn't know. And um, I made a lot of bad choices in the first part of my life. And there were times that were very dark. I mean, suicidal ideation, um, you know, just awful things and alcoholism and abusive marriages. And I remember clearly the day I decided that I wasn't taking back this man another time, no matter how much he cried and begged and said he loved me, that I had to love myself first before I could love anybody else. And that was the first turn I made in the road, the good road. And then still, it was another couple of years when I reached an emotional, a psychological, spiritual bottom, when I did have everything I thought I wanted, the college degree, the good husband, money, everything. And I was so depressed. I didn't want to kill myself, but I did. when I woke up in the morning, it was like I wasn't happy to wake up. And that's when I stopped drinking and I got help for that. So when I wrote the book, it was to help women of all ages, no matter where they are, and I've been getting a lot of responses from people and meeting new people all over the country and um, just through the internet, which I love. It gives us such an opportunity, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you just, those examples that you just gave are exactly what I mean by the quote, go within or go without. So the day you stood at that crossroads, if you're going to take this man back, go that's go without that's right or go within and do what is re taking responsibility for my own soul and my own spiritual emotional physical financial well-being and care mm -hmm. and make a decision like that so that's exactly what i mean by it exactly and i am not surprised but amazed that I talk to everybody, you know, I talk to every waitress, I'll talk to somebody in the elevator, <laughs> I've talked to everybody. And it doesn't take much for people to share with you when they're in pain and they have a friendly voice talking to them. 
And so many like young women I meet, usually the waitresses will say, oh yeah, I have this abusive boyfriend or I'm, you know, this. And um, they are so happy to meet me and they want to go right out and read this book. And then I started the podcast, you know, which is another way to reach people. So it's really amazing what you can accomplish once you decide to do it. Because I just wrote my book 2021. Absolutely. And it's like there's a, a together we can do what one cannot do alone. That's together right. we can do. So you're reaching out to those women, making yourself available, giving a listening mm-hmm. ear, relating to them. I mean, you are speaking, which I think holds tremendous power for all of us when you can speak and are speaking from experience, not from theory. Yes. Not from a theory about what relationships are, not from a theory of drinking and the consequences of drinking uh, or the consequences of not defining ourselves outside of our families. And I don't mean leaving our families, Mm -hmm. how to be in a family and still define ourselves within that family. Right. Right. And, you know, it's it's um, it this is so powerful. It really is, because a lot of people have a lot of increase of uncertainty and fear since the pandemic. And what we've been seeing at Unity of the Palm Beaches is after the pandemic, you know, we had to close down our church for almost a year and just do Zoom and YouTube, et cetera, and Facebook. And um, a lot of people didn't come back, people that had been there for years. And a group of them were friends of mine and they kind of dropped me too because they decided to be reborn Christians. And so I was feeling kind of hurt. You know, you, you take everything personal. It's all about me, you know, it's all about me. And I talked to Reverend Taylor the one day and he said, honey, they dropped me too. I used to be invited to those parties. And he explained to me that the fear caused them to want to go back to something outside themselves, which is kind of what we're talking about. Right. Absolutely. And the fact that that was such a part of our primary life and years and based on also on what the teaching is, because somebody put it to me once, like, mm, let me see now, Martha, if you're right, theologically, if you're right, yeah, all going to be all right. But if you're <laughs> wrong, you're going to split hell wide open. And I said, that's that's right. <laughs> that's right that's right yeah. so this is then you can see why other people that um are not well they've got to explore what they've got to explore and their belief systems are all, our belief systems are stronger than mm-hmm. we claim they are at times because we'll we'll espouse that oh i believe this or i believe that or throw these platitudes around and other things like that but deep down we don't actually mm-hmm. believe it and some cases we're trying to believe it. We're trying to believe what we're affirming, but we don't actually believe it. And then when it hits the fan, we're most often going to go back to what's familiar. Exactly. I grew up, I was raised Catholic and um, <clears throat> my parents didn't went to church. So when I got sassy, you know, teenager, I said, wait a minute, you make me go to church. And why don't you go to church? And my father said, do as I say, not as I do. That old statement they used to use. And, but I love church because I did have an abusive family situation, a very, very tough 
dramatic place. So church to me was peace. The library across the street was my peace. I would go up in my room with a book and that was my peace, you know. And so I did love the Catholic church until I got divorced the first time. <laughs> and they told me, you can't receive communion anymore. You're excommunicated. And I went, he cheated on me. How am I excommunicated? So that, that put a big dent in my belief system and that type of religion. And it still took me many years, even after I got sober, to find something that worked for me and that fit my belief system. And um, when we moved to Florida, I had been able to see Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, uh, Wayne Dwyer, all these great, great speakers on spirituality. And they all mentioned unity. They all talked about unity. So I looked it up. And the first time we went, we're walking up the steps and my husband said, we're going to hell. Because <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's CIA, Catholic Irish alcoholic, <laughs> <laughs> That's what we used to call it in the meetings. He's sober 32 years. But just the idea of um, reaching within and knowing, you know, that everything will be in the right. You tell it better than I do. I can't really express how, what, like, in other words, the peace that you have with your mistakes you don't have regrets, you acknowledge them, but you let them go. And you're not like praying to, to a guy in the sky, like Taylor always says, you are just reaching out to the universe and opening your heart. Yes. And aligning with the power that I have, which is whether you're Catholic, Irish, alcoholic, there's certain basic tenets even that are common in all religion. We have some things in common, which is there is a power and a presence greater than ourselves, whatever name you give it. And then praying from that place that, and then our, the prayer in 12 steps is give me, let me change what I can. Mm -hmm. Let me accept what I cannot. And let me wake up to the difference. Yeah, you added that line. <laughs> yes. The wisdom to know the difference. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. Wait, the wisdom to know the difference yeah. and what yeah. I can change and what I cannot change. And then pray from that place. And the problem is I do the surrounding prayer and um, I say, well, I can't change this. I have to accept it, but I don't have to like it. Like, I don't like it. Like I have someone in my family that um, has decided that I'm the villain in the picture and um, hasn't talked to me. And it's someone I love very much. And no matter what I do, <clears throat> our branches get broken, nothing gets accepted. So I have to accept that. And um, it ex it's extremely hard. I'm accepting it, but the pain and the disappointment in not having that loving relationship is heavy. Absolutely. That's a great example, Marie, of knowing that acceptance is not a thing. It's not a place. Acceptance is a direction that I go in. 
So it means 40 times 40 days, seven times 70. I keep accepting this. And even if I offer an olive branch, even if I reach across, I've done my part. Mm -hmm. I've done what my heart called me to do. It's a loving relationship. One I wanted, I'm sincere in it. And then there's not a thing I can do to control it. And did I do at the end of the day, when I put my head down on the pillow tonight, did I do what I said I would do? Did I do what was honest, authentic action for me mm-hmm. about this relationship? The answer is yes. Then it is complete. Then accept that they're believing what they believe. And as long as they believe that I'm a, a villain, they, it, they're, they're, they're naturally not going to come toward me yeah, because they can't relate to me or be any closer to me than they are believing about me what they believe. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one, but most things I am very good. Excuse me, I have a little problem with my voice. I'm just going to clear my throat. Hang on one second. And I didn't miss the part about this is heavy on you, honey, that it's a longing of your heart and it's been a loss for you. This relationship and this disconnect has been a loss to your heart. And that's a part of owning that, I think. And you gave it voice here this morning. And there's some healing in that just to say that I want to say this to another human being. Mm. I want somebody to witness me in the loss that I have that as much as I don't like this, as much Mm -hmm. as I wish this was different, I'm also hurting over this, that that this is painful to me. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, my husband um, has Parkinson's and he has the progressive type for sure. Um, and 2020 was really hard because <clears throat> I have some immune diseases and stuff and getting over breast cancer. So we didn't leave the house for a year. And <clears throat> I found I was getting mean towards him. I was irritable. And I had already been diagnosed with um, chronic depression and anxiety disorder when I got sober 32 years ago. And I had been in therapy for years and done everything, you know, to work on that. So when I was irritable towards him for things that he can't help because of the Parkinson's, I I had the presence of mind to realize, Marie, it's your depression popping up. Because sometimes when you're depressed, you take it out on another person in anger. And I reached out to my doctor and he sent me towards a psychiatrist and a counselor. And I was doing therapy on Zoom, right? Which I still do. And that's a big help because like you just said, I'm sharing with her. I'm telling another person how I feel, you know? And with this uh, one person that is being so rigid in her distance, um, my therapist will say, and where are we with so-and-so? And I'll say, well, she's on the shelf. And uh, she'll say, well, are you feeling resentment? And I go, no, I'm feeling sad and disappointed, but not resentful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think therapy, <clears throat> for some people, talk therapy. And it doesn't matter who it's with, like you said. You can have coffee with a friend once a week. Absolutely. Um, well, that's, you know, my hairdresser friends think they're clergy 
because of what they get to hear people share in the chair when they're cutting their hair and likely um, dentists or doctors or anybody else believes any, any other human being where two or more are gathered, Mm -hmm. sharing is happening. Connection is happening at some level. And that I'm doing this class that you may want to put that out here, honey, on this Atlas of the Heart is sitting here right by me. Oh, Brene Brown. Brene Brown's work. And the classes are require no registration or um, no prepayment or anything. They can send a donation for it. And they're three weeks in June. So coming up here. And it speaks about the healing nature of just making a connection. Wow of having what you're describing to have a therapist, to have someone to talk with, to share with. But the therapy that happens when you talk with a waitress, a Mm -hmm. server, somebody in an elevator, another human being. So I I am quoted often as saying, where two or more are gathered, there will be bristling. (laughs) Just what you're describing with your spouse. Yeah. Got irritable and you, you felt like you were being mean. You were actually mm-hmm. being human because you recognized it brilliantly. It sounds like as one of the early signs of a depressive state. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I say where two or more are gathered, there will be some bristling. And where two or more are gathered, there's going to be healing yes. of some sort. There can be healing here when yes. there's somebody that can share honestly and authentically and really connect with another human heart. And one dose of empathy, one speck of empathy goes a very long way honey, for any one of us that can do any listening exactly, to another. Exactly, exactly. So two things I want to say. First of all, the self-awareness, I'm so glad that I had it to seek help. And um, the same thing happened with my alcoholism. I just had the self-awareness to know that I couldn't do this myself and I had to have help. And um when I did reach out and start therapy and et cetera, I have chronic depression. I have been on a, me- a medication for that for 30 years. So the psychiatrist said the same dose. And I said, yeah, she said, honey, you're taking a placebo. I never thought of that. And I yeah. will tell you that the combination of the two things um, totally, totally that my patience is back. My lovingness is back. You know, I'm not saying I'm never going to get teed off or irritated, but, you know, I try to step back and say, okay, it's not him, it's the Parkinson's. I know it sucks, but let's just take a deep breath, whatever. And the other thing that you brought to mind was when I'm done talking with the waiter or waitress and I'm leaving the tip, I leave them my card because I've told them about the podcast. I always find out their name at the beginning if they don't have a name tag on. And I write their name on the top of the card and I write my name on the, sign my name and I give it to them with the tip. You cannot believe how appreciated. Now, seriously, I'm doing it from like a marketing viewpoint in a way, but they're like, oh, this is the nicest thing that happened to me today. Just so well, for anybody to care what their name is <laughs> or to call their name or to take the time to leave them something to leave a tip. First of all, yeah. I mean, we take for granted that people are tipping. It's not the case to leave a gratuity and not only to leave a gratuity, but have an energy of gratuitedness. Like I'm actually grateful for you mm-hmm. and that I got to be here with you today. And then to offer them something, honey, it's a genuine offer of that. Um, have you watched this Ted 
uh, Ted Lasso series. Not yet. I'm just crazy about. So he, he's, he's, he demonstrates the superpowers of human beings, which includes asking people's names, calling their names, speaking their names, and actually That's remembering right. their names. Yeah, only because it's on Hulu. I, and if I'm going to watch it, I have to. Is it Hulu or Apple TV? Apple. Something? Yeah. So I am going to, because I got a free subscription trial so my husband could watch the Michael J. Fox documentary, you know, because I knew he'd want to see that. I want to see it. So I'm going to have to now make a point of watching it. Um, so your book, Martha's Pearls, what is that about? Or what is that like? Uh, having the book was uh, another way to get empowered teachings to the whole of the planet. So it I, it was, I never intended to have a book, uh, still don't for that matter. And somebody loved these newsletters and said, they're so good, they ought to be put in a book. And she stepped up to do some of the work. So she went into the newsletters and did the first editing on those, pulled out her favorite ones, and then sent them over to me in a document. And then I sent them out to a, another colleague, a retired unity minister that edits for a living a profession now that he's retired, got some editing on it, and then sent it right up to a publisher. So it was writings that I had already done over the years in the mm -hmm. form of newsletters, then compiled wow. and put into a book. Great. And the mission of the book is the same as my mission, which is to get empowered teachings to the whole of the planet. Wow. And putting it in print was a way to do that. And then since then, just this year, in February of this year, for my birthday month, I read the book out loud on video, just like we're sitting here today, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. and put it on YouTube and on my website, MarthaCreek.com. Mm -hmm. So people that don't read, that cannot read, or don't have the time to read, or don't have the money to buy a book, or whatever mm -hmm. else, can mm -hmm. still get the teachings. That's great. So That's I took great. the printed material and made it audio material and gave it away. You know, my therapist had said to me, I said, well, you know, my husband shuts down around four. He doesn't really communicate, doesn't talk. There's no such thing as conversation. And I'm very verbal. And uh, she said, well, you know, at four o'clock every day, go in your room, shut the door and type, write your story. And that's how I ended up writing the book. Before you know it, I was writing a chapter a day because it wasn't stuff I had to create. It was stuff that really happened. So nonfiction yes. is easier. And I would send her the chapters and it turned into a book. And I found out how to self-publish and, and do all that, you know. And she was astounded. And she came to my first book signing. And she said to me later, um, you know, I don't go to everybody's book signing. I know other authors. She said, I'm really impressed by what you did. She said, because you wrote a very good book, well-written, well-written, which made my heart sing since, mm -hmm. you know, what I always wanted to do with, with the English language, et cetera. And um, then I had people say to me, oh, I listen to Audible. I don't read anymore. I said, okay. And I found a website where you can get someone to narrate your book for profit sharing. You don't pay anything. Mm. So now it's an audible. And wonderful, wonderful. Great example of it. Great example yeah. of like what is the next 
sane and sensible, doable thing, yeah. which we could apply to any area of our life, honey. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. plant a seed, you know, she put that seed in my mind and it turned into that book. And then I did try to get it published the normal way. And it was very difficult unless you're, you know, Prince Harry. And <laughs> so when I found out about Amazon had a program, blah, blah, you know, and then my friends, I'm going to be 75 in October. So most of my friends are my age or older, and they are not tech savvy. And they said, Marie, how are you doing all this stuff? I said, I'm teaching myself. I'm learning. I'm researching and I'm learning. I don't know how to automatically do it. You know? Right. That's an example, though, of a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. Yeah. That says my a growth mindset is more open. It admits I don't, I, I'm incompetent. It's fine. I'm incompetent and I have an ability to learn. So I'm going to go poke around. I'm going to try a few things. I get a little class, ask somebody. I'm going to just keep going in the direction of expansion here versus I'm too old. I can't do it. Can't teach exactly. into old new tricks. And it's like, that's a fixed mindset. Yes. And yes. that leaves us stuck right where we are. Yes. Now, do you think there'll be a second book for you? Oh, definitely, honey. There's already one in a publisher. See? Now that you did it, right? <laughs> I don't know the title of it because I keep going okay. round and round with the title, but there's a book that'll be out sometime in the next few months. Yeah. And your um, class on um, Atlas of the Heart, um, Brene Brown, how do we get there? To your website? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. MarthaCreek.com. Martha yeah, that's easy. Okay. I will make sure. And I then there's that. a newsletter that's free too. If some, if they'll go subscribe. Mm -hmm. to MarthaCreek.com and subscribe. They'll get the emails with the links and all that sent out to oh, them yeah. just once a month. It's not a sales yeah. and marketing uh, email. It is yes. simply to put the teachings out into the world. Exactly. And there's also a YouTube channel, mm -hmm. Martha Creek's YouTube channel. They can subscribe to oh, okay. anytime a new video goes up, they'll get an email saying that something was posted. Great. That's what, see, there you go. And you have to get, if you're going to get the word out there, you know, we have these resources that weren't there 20, 25 years ago. Yes. So you don't need to sit on your ass and just think about it. You can do it. Right. Amen. 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 We're powerful women and we intend on making a powerful impact. And I'm going to have you again if you're available in a couple months. I will. Yes, definitely. And we'll, we'll pick one topic because we have so much that we could talk about. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Martha. So that You're was welcome. Martha. Martha, All blessings. Up. Blessings, yes, everybody. Please look her up. She's wonderful. All right. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. I think I stopped the recording. You're going to stop the recording? Yeah.